Welcome back, folks, to the Mailwright Show. It's episode 245. We've got a returning guest. We've got Christy Elgar back. She's been on the show a couple of times. I classify her as a friend of the show. We've got some interesting topics to discuss, but I'm going to let them um, both Christy and Robert introduce themselves and then I'll go on and tell you what we're going to be discussing. So Christy, uh, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, I'm Christy Murdoch-Edgar and I am a writer. I specialize in real estate content and related industries like the mortgage industry and finance industry and uh, I'm just really excited to be back. That's great. We're going to be talking about the luxury market. We're also going to be talking about what you should not do with your social media um, presence at the present interesting times that we are living through. And also we're going to be talking about how you should position yourself when the market recovers a little bit and is more normal. I also got Robert, my great co-host. Would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers, Robert? Sure, why the fuck not? My name is Robert Newman. I'm the <laughs> I had to get it out early. I'm the uh, like uh, founder of a real estate tech company. I've been doing it a long, long time, and uh, I think that people know me mostly for for knowing real estate SEO. Oh, and you can find me at inboundrem.com. That's great. So, Christy, um, let's go into. Oh yes, I should do. I'm the founder. Of Mailrite. Um, it basically uses the power of Facebook to generate leads, but then it does all the follow through, which you don't have time for. It sends out email, text messages, and also helps you keep a presence on your social media and also gets you extra quality reviews. So it does quite a lot for you. So if that sounds interesting, go over to Mailrite have a look at what we got to offer, and you can book a free demo with me. So um, let's go into the meats and potatoes of this episode. So the luxury market, you know, um, you you think it's not in every area, but you, you see um, some life and some activity from the feedback that you get from real estate agents when it comes to the, um, the upper echelons of the market do you christy absolutely and uh it's you know like you said it really is not sort of the luxury market as a whole it really depends on the market it depends on the features of the home uh so for example in new york city we're not seeing uh you know a resurgence necessarily in the luxury market that's normally a really hot luxury market that has cooled off a lot uh, but out in the Hamptons, which has actually had a, a bad couple of years, um, they are seeing just more demand than they can actually meet. Well, they probably think the tear gas can't go up that far. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, everybody's trying to get out of the city. And it was funny, I was talking to uh, an agent from out there and he said, well, you know, everybody's European vacation got canceled this year. So they're looking for uh, a little more out of their summer than they uh, are were would otherwise be able to have, um, and that means a tennis court, that means a beach, that means a pool, um, and so you've got, you've got to do something with that boldness, haven't you? Got to do something, and you've and you've got kids all in the house all the time, and so you've got to keep them entertained because they can't go to camp, they can't you know go to school, um, and so the Hamptons has really seen a resurgence, and then of course 
uh, the Southern California luxury market is doing just wonderfully as as always, you know, because outdoor spaces, things like that are so much a part of that market. Um, so they've just held really strong all the way through. Like I say, it's probably also the tear gas from certain parts of LA can't reach Malibu. They've got right. the coastal breezes that will push right. it away anyway. Right, uh, right, exactly, exactly. So, sorry, sorry yeah. it's, it's some of the English sarcasm there. Audience, right, but yeah, right. Yeah. But it's it's definitely something that, you know, we see people trying to get out of cities and trying to get, you know, further out and get a lot more space uh, for their money. And do you actually think that they actually, it's changed what, I think what also you're saying, they actually changed um, some of these luxury buyers, what they're really looking, they're looking for Pacific features, aren't they? Definitely. And I, I think one of the, the ways that people uh, can really differentiate a home, uh, you know, sort of bef- if they're thinking about listing is, um, you know, smart home features, I think, are really going to become not just nice to have things, but really necessities. Um, so the ability to kind of run your whole household from your phone used to be sort of this kind of almost silly thing, you know, like, why, why do you need to do that? Um, but now, you know, the idea of not touching light switches, not touching lamps, not touching, you know, everything in the kitchen, uh, when you want to turn on the, uh, the stove or whatever, you know, all of those things, um, suddenly make sense. Oh, in wow. the these, these people have servants anyway, haven't they? <laughs> Well, you know, there are a lot of luxury markets. And a title. I don't think a lot of these people have touched touched much anyway, have they? You know, if you really think about it, I mean, I lived in in D.C. for many, many years. And I mean, just a regular um, non-servant household um, would be considered a luxury buy in in most of the country. So, um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's. Uh, I think it is. There's still, especially with the kids' home, there's still a whole lot of hands on that goes on in these houses. Oh, wow. I was being a little bit sarcastic there. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go on. So it's not all doom and gloom. There is activity out there. Um, Absolutely. So on to another really fascinating topic. You know, you on your radar, you've been observing that a lot of people have been saying things on social media, which maybe on reflection, they maybe shouldn't have said, and maybe when we get into more normal times might affect their business. So um, I'll put it back over to you again. So what what's, what you've been seeing on your radar, Christy? So I think that, you know, if I think about social media over the last few days, uh, a lot of people, I think, with the best intentions in the world, want to be part of the conversation, and they want to maybe show their viewpoint, share their viewpoint, um, and I think that there is a time to talk and a time to listen. And um, so some of the more successful people that I've seen on social media, the the ones who seem to be doing it right and getting a positive response are the ones who are really taking some time, if they are in a privileged position, um, to to sort of mute themselves and and take a little bit of a backseat and be willing to listen. Uh, There are a lot of people out there who are giving sort of practical um, ways to help in terms of 
donations or um, book lists, things like that. Uh, those are the people that seem to be communicating really well in this moment. Um, the people who are sort of trying to talk over other people, um, especially if it appears to come from a place of privilege or if it appears to come from a place of scolding and I'm going to tell you how you should feel about things, uh, those are the people who really seem to be struggling right now and, um, you know, creating situations where their brand, I think, is really going to be negatively affected when this is all over. Um, so so I, I, I really do think that uh, it's almost better to say nothing if you can't say something nice, you know, kind of like your mom told you. Mm. So. so what do you reckon, Robert? You know, you've you still got to be relevant. you still got to be out there. But is there a way of coming across, you know, which doesn't really rub up a lot of people the wrong way in these strange times that we're living through? Um, yes, I, I think so. I, but I don't know, you know, I don't know that I feel like I have personally all the answers, but I, I know that if I was in real estate, number one, I would stay away from the political socio conversation. Uh, as a business person, I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying that as a person, I don't have opinions. I'm saying if you are talking on a Facebook page or Twitter page or some other kind of page where you have a mix of personal and business associates, I personally feel like it's probably best to stay unopinionated about the fray because you can't help but necessarily alienate one side of the audience or the other. These are very charged times with a lot of different opinions on, on like even people in the camps that agree have different opinions inside that camp. They, they agree on the, the bigger issues. They oftentimes don't agree on how things are, should change, how they'd like to see them, how, how vigorously we should be pursuing that change right now. I've noticed amongst my own friend circles, and, and these are people I've known for 25 years, where I'm watching people unfriend each other after, after a quarter of a century of friendship right. over things like, should we go out and march today? You know, and stuff like that. Now, I'm sure that where I live in the creative community here in Southern California with kind of friends that I have, that it's a little bit more charged, a little bit more emotional, a little bit more dramatic. I have a lot of actors and entertainers and singers and dancers and all these things in my friend circle. And they do tend to run emotional about stuff. <laughs> so I would stay away if it was me just to be from a professional standpoint. If you have a personal uh, social media account um, and you don't have any, any people professionally on there, then by all means go ahead and um, you know, if you feel it necessary weigh in. I have to agree with John in one sense, though, and, and as a person that lives in the world of technology, there's an interesting thing that you, you start to understand, and he pointed at it, but I don't think he said it clearly. Words that you say online never, never go, go away, mm -hmm. ever, <laughs> ever. So once you've typed that word onto the page, you are committed to it for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that kind of commitment over socio-relevant things in the moment makes me personally very nervous as a marketer, as a person with, uh, albeit I don't really care too much about my brand, but I do like to define it. Like if I want to step into the ring and say, I don't want an accidental 
thing that I said to a friend on the side or jokingly be taken to, to and, and have that be branded to me. Like, like I'm, I'm actually relatively cautious about, which is funny. If you knew me, you'd know how shocking that is. I'm relatively cautious about how and what I say online. So John asked a simple question and I, I went off to the races here, but. Um, no, I think it was great stuff. You know, in practical terms, I would suggest to you listeners, beloved listeners and viewers is that, you know, um, don't use your Facebook and your Instagram you know, maybe set up if you if you really can't resist venting, set up a Twitter account with a um, and vent on there because probably most of your clientele ain't going to be on there, so it doesn't really matter. But you know, but you know, just don't do it on your Facebook Facebook page, your business page, and your personal profile, and. The same probably applies to Instagram as well. What do you reckon, Christy? I made you laugh at these, didn't I, Christy? You did. Instagram is where I see a lot of, I'm going to be careful, um, performative uh, is what I would call it, performative political statements and posturing. And never, um, never. Uh, oh, you shocked man. me. And, you shocked me, and, Christy. And and I I think that some of it is probably coming from a, a good place, but um, I don't think people are in the mood for things like that anymore. Um, and I was actually talking to a client about this recently. I again, I think it's it's almost better for you to say, I'm taking a day. As, as some of my favorite brands did yesterday, I'm taking a day to listen and learn, you know, rather than to think, well, I have to say something because everybody else is saying something. Um, it, I think it's, it's good if you're not going to say something useful, then to say, I'm taking a day to listen and, and mute myself. I think, um, pra- I think practical, I think, you know, right practical tips to deal with different situations, you know, you know, I was, I, you know, I'm going to be slightly sarcastic again here, you know, how, how to deal with um, tear gas when you, you know, you get a whiff of it in your house or uh, um, some other tips and that. But I think if you just want to vent your personal political views, it, you really um, should avoid that on Facebook, really, as a real estate agent, unless unless you unless you have um, purposely positioned yourself with a certain uh, democ- a certain crowd in your local right. community as your buyers, as your as your buyers or sellers, and you know you're using it to actually appeal to those groups even more but um I, I i do know a couple of local agents that um in normal times um i personally would probably not be their ideal client and they've made it quite through their positioning and their statements over the years they made it very clear who they're looking for and in some ways it could be quite effective, can't it, Christy? But you it's gotta be a a thought out decision, hasn't it? It does. And and I think uh the other thing to think about is the plot the platform and, and you sort of alluded to it, you know, 
the crowd on Facebook is very different from the crowd on Instagram, is very different from the crowd on LinkedIn. And so it, it, I think a lot depends on where you have your audience, you know, and, and for a lot of people, there's just one platform that probably they use the most and where they are the, the most themselves. Um, and so that, that plays into it as well. You know, some, and some people even differentiate like what they put on their stories on Instagram is very different from what they put in their posts, right? Because, um, the people who are looking at the posts are different people. It's a different audience than the ones who look at their stories. So there are a lot of ways to, to sort of slice and dice it and, and, um, and differentiate your messaging, I think. Yeah, so we're going to go for our break. We'll be back. We'll continue this discussion. And I think Christy's got some other subject areas that she wants to cover. So it should be a great discussion. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. You want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy to use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no question asked 30-day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. Interesting times we're living through, beloved real estate agents you know you might get your car scratched you don't want that murk scratched in our way do you okay. and you might you know okay. you're walking okay. down I'm raining in the english sarcasm there you know <laughs> well, and you did don't not mean anything by that <laughs> you, you're walking trying to show a house and the tear gas wafts over and you start you know your poor client starts to weep and that's not the price of the house that that that's <laughs> that's the tear oh, gas Pardon? All right, Christy, what did you want to talk about? <laughs> well, one thing uh, to, to kind of go back to the COVID-19 real estate landscape, uh, one thing that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about and writing a lot about lately is sort of trying to imagine uh, what the market is going to look like um, in not just, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but next year, two years from now, you know, how are we going to fundamentally um, shift our expectations, our, um, the way that our household is set up? Uh, I do think we're going to come out with a lot, a lot of activity in the real estate sector. And I, and I don't think it's just going to be, I think everybody talks about that in terms of like, it's just pent up demand, right? Because everybody wasn't able to go and buy the house they wanted this spring. But I think it's also going to be, you know, you're going to see marriages coming together and marriages breaking up and you're going to see a big COVID baby boom, I think. And I just think, you know, there's going to be a lot of multi-generational households created. I think there's just going to be a big shift in the way that people live. And I think, uh, and I think by um, what I've heard, of, you know, especially in Silicon Valley, in um, other parts of the country, being, a, being given the permission to work more from home yes. has because of this because of what has happened, has become much more established, and it's going to we're going to have more and more people spending you know either two, three days at home. This right. this change has been forced, but I think it, it, it was a change happening anyway. But it's been accelerated. Would you agree with that, Christy? 
Totally. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to, um, oh, I'm trying to think. It was a Connecticut um, real estate executive for a series that I did on how millennials are sort of reshaping suburbia. And um, one of the things that we talked about, which I really had not thought about previously, was, you know, you have so many households where, um, you know, we, we, we all t- always talk about, you know, oh, this is a good space for a home office. Well, now you need two home offices. And, you know, with, with schools uh, kind of talking about, some schools talking about going entirely virtual and some school systems talking about doing sort of half days and things like that. Oh, she's frozen. Yeah. That's a bad one. She's frozen badly, listeners and views. Hopefully we're going to get Christy back. Maybe it's all those real estate agents sending in. They realise that they, their social media has not been that great. Maybe you they, froze you, up, Christy. I'm sorry. Back, but you, you're uh, back. You're back. I'm not here for, for yeah. Start I'm over. I'm sorry. Well, where did, where did we leave off? It was when you, you said that agent that you froze. You oh, the, in Connecticut? Yes. Oh, okay. So I did a series uh, on the way that millennials are kind of reshaping um, the uh, suburban landscape. And one of the things that we talked about was, you know, that uh, families now, you know, we were used to talking about needing a home office. Well, people need two home offices. They need space for the kids to do their schoolwork. You know, a lot of school systems are talking about, you know, having virtual school next year um, or having just part-time school from here on out and having the rest of it online. So uh, we're really talking about three or four or five, I guess, depending on the size of your family, workspaces, uh, plus internet, internet and all of that. Yeah, in a way, I can really see that affected the California market because, you know, it's an ongoing trend and um, people leaving California. I can mm-hmm. see this actually um, accelerating the process because people, you know, are going to need more space and they're just not going to be able to afford it in California. So I know a lot of Californians are looking at Texas and Oregon and Nevada to Nevada. Um, but Nevada, I looking at Las Vegas, uh, uh, is become rather expensive. So probably maybe Oregon and maybe definitely Texas. So I, I really see a lot of Californians and maybe this also affecting the East Coast as well, the Boston area, um, people looking to move out of state for to get that increased room. What do you reckon? Well, and I, and I think that there are a lot of ambitious people in lots of markets all over the country who are going to have opportunities that they have not had before unless they were willing to move to New York or Boston or Los Angeles. And um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And I think that there are a lot of people who don't want to live in the city, um, you know, who maybe even want to live in rural areas. I was talking to a Seattle realtor who, um, you know, talks about uh, – you know, farmland right outside of the city being used for artist communes and, and all kinds of things. So there are all kinds of interesting ways that younger home buyers are uh, configuring uh, their setup. And I think this is just going to accelerate that as well. Well, you know, when you look at the price the price levels in California, because uh, obviously it's on my radar much closer to me, 
the, uh, the average millennial couple that's got reasonable jobs, I'm not talking about higher management, but, you know, they they practically can't afford anything where in an area where they would want to live. They're at the present, pre, even at the present situation, they, I would say they've been practically, unless they get sizable assistance from their parents, they've been totally priced out the market. Totally. Would you agree with that, Robert? I would. I mean, California, which I live in, everybody, is uh, is brutal. And all these conversations that everybody's having. So for my artist friends, I've got a total of five friends that have now relocated to uh, Nashville because it's, uh, it's a growing community. It's friendly. It's artistic. Uh, the, the places that the people that I know in the communities that I live in, they're looking at Austin and Nashville, places with large populations of artistic people. The only problem here in California, if you're in entertainment, is that there isn't, uh, some of my friends have lost a lot of work by not being here in California. So I don't suspect that the shift is going to be universal, but I do agree with everything that you're saying. I can't afford a house and I make a great living. Um, There's, and I know many, many people that are in the same boat. And I know people who've been on the journey towards home ownership with 401ks and things like that for 25 years. And they're just now being able to even contemplate buying. So when you say, like, um, I'll give you both one analogy. So a dear friend of mine who's also a client, uh, Ray Kevis, he is in Delaware. And he just bought a 3,700-square-foot barn with 11 acres, a creek, and a lake for $415,000. Yep. Now, here in California, I cannot buy a one-bedroom crappy-ass condominium for that. Not even close. Right. The power of where your money goes. And, and guys, we got into this tangent by talking about how the remote workforce might change real estate. My opinion is this. Imagine that you could go anywhere that you wanted, that you're not particularly connected to a social community or a social tribe. And now it's just about lifestyle. Yep. Where in the world would you go? Where would you live? I would take a look at one of the other beach cities that is so where I don't have to spend $2 million for a property within a block of the ocean. And there's lots of them. That price is insane here. You could go to Southern uh, South Carolina, among many other places. So that's where I think we're going to watch the real estate industry. Yeah, and I think it's very relevant because I I think it's directly going to infect the real estate market in the coming two years, isn't it? What has happened? I think a lot of people's um, options and eyes have been opened. Absolutely. And, uh, um, I think a lot of people's, um, when you look at the statistics, you know, people have been kind of flooding into about half a dozen major metropolitan areas. That might reverse a bit, might it, Christy? Well, absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about the entertainment industry. I'm originally from Georgia, and uh, I think I read this year, there, last year, there were more productions um, that took place in the state of Georgia than anywhere else in the country. So, I mean, there are even, you know, because the entertainment industry is even looking for other places where their dollar goes further. And um, so I just think it, we're going to see a lot of repositioning. And I think it's exciting because housing affordability, we've been talking about it for years. Oh. Nobody really is doing anything about it. So. Yeah. No, that's true. So I think we've come to the end. Uh, thanks, Christy. How can people 
find out more about you and your wise words and <laughs> more about what you're up to, Christy. Thank you. I'm at Writing Real Estate, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, writingrealestate.com. And uh, you can see my blog there. You can find me on Inman. I write for a lot of other uh, platforms and companies. And uh, so, you know, Google me. <laughs> That's great. And Robert, how can people find out more about you, about yourself and what you're up to? Meh. I'm not going to do that. Hey, guys, I've checked out Christy's writing, and uh, she's, uh, she's really brilliant. If you have a chance, I've linked some Good of stuff. her articles on my Facebook page and uh, on my face, in my Facebook – actually, never mind. That's – never mind. On my Facebook page, it's there. So that's Facebook forward slash Inbound REM. You can see some of the stuff that she's written. I highly recommend that you check her out. Uh, and, you, and John will tell you how you can find him. I'm a mystery. You have to search. <laughs> Not much. Just go to inbound. REM. It's all there. He's been. He's been. He's been terrific uh, recently. He's been writing some fantastic reviews on CRMs and other technology, which we generally discuss. But we also like to have discussions, which we just had with Christy, which is a bit less technology based. Um, um, if you want to find out more about Mel Wright, just go to the Mel Hyphen Wright website. There's all the interviews with great um, um, people like Christy on there. There must be over 200 interviews on there. It's a great resource to learn more about real estate and what you should be doing to make your business better in the next six months because there's great opportunities if you position yourself in the right way and that's what you should be considering right now. We'll be back next week with another great guest or internal discussion between me and Robert. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye.